You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Great deal going on. Throw down $1 on an NBA game. If that team wins, get $150 in free plays. All right, joined by Batavia's finest, a man of many uh, of many uh, tricks and trades, Corey Williams. How you doing, Corey? I'm doing good. How are you? Not too bad. First and foremost out there, Corey, you're a man of, uh, like I said, you do a lot of different things. Uh, not every everybody looks and they're like, oh, Corey, that's uh, just a college basketball commentator. You've got some other stuff going on on the side. What else you do? Well, you know, the day job I'm working here, uh, Crest Insurance, been here for a number of years in, in Tucson. So um, longtime supporters of Arizona Athletics. I used to intern here in my days as a Wildcat. My summer job, I was working with these guys. So it's always cool to come full circle. I ended up working here ever since I retired. Um, you know, I do my summer basketball leagues. I do my nonprofit work with the charities for the kids. I do the announcing. And then I have, you know, those are the – that's enough to keep me busy. One thing I will say before we get into Arizona hoops, uh, a guy that won the MVP of your league many times, Dante Williams, still going strong. I saw him running up and down uh, golf links the other day with his weighted vest and his dog. So yeah, that guy's a machine. He's an, he's an incredible. You know, year after year, he's the player to beat, and uh, it's amazing that he keeps himself at that in that in that level of shape. He's going to be fifty and still dunking, Corey. It's six Man, foot. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right. So you were on the call, Arizona, Colorado uh, on uh, Saturday. Just, uh, you know, obviously Arizona fans are freaking out right now because it's the third loss of the season. But watching that game up close, Corey, what did you come away thinking? I came away, um, you know, it's always difficult. Road games in the Pac-12, you never know. Two nights earlier, I did USC at Oregon State, which was a double overtime game. Um, USC escaped barely. And then they escape barely at Edward, Oregon. So you can never, and the coaches know, you can't take anything for granted on the road in the Pac-12. I think sometimes fans get a little drunk with the wins and get think that things are going to be easy. But, you know, I get to town two days early. I go to practice. I go to shoot-arounds. I listen to what the coaches are telling their teams. They're always coaching. Don't overlook this guy. Make sure we come with our A game. The coaches know how crucial 
um, these games are. And of course, when you're the number two team in the country and it's senior day and there's all this emotion and there's a huge crowd, all the elements are there for an upset for guys to play above their level. Um, you know, what I saw in that game was a Colorado team that, you know, had nothing to lose. But at the end of the day, um, I think they they felt like they had something to prove against Arizona and the level of intensity just wasn't reciprocated. They were fighting and scrappy and making plays, and they really were able to out-hustle Arizona, which is the first time I had seen that all season. And when you watch Colorado, it's not like they don't have some players. Jabari Walker's going to play in the NBA. Evan Batty's a big guy up front. So it's not like they walked in there totally overmatched at every position, like I think we've seen a lot of teams this year. Now, granted, Arizona's better, but Colorado's got some players to work with, too. Yeah, they've got talent, and they're they're very well coached. I think that's the fifth straight win that they've had over Arizona on the right. road there. So maybe that's something uh, I don't believe in superstition, but now maybe it's a curse. You know, you never right. know. But Tad Boyle is an outstanding coach. I listened to his prep at shooting around that morning, and he went over everything they wanted to do. And as an analyst, you don't really want to spill the beans on the air. But I can tell you this. They did everything they talked about doing four hours prior to that game. I was watching them do it in-game, fronting the post, switching everything, um, fighting, fouling rather than giving up layups. They had no problem uh, committing fouls. He told his guys, I want you to foul rather than give Arizona easy layups. Um, they executed the game plan. I thought there was a moment late in the game where Arizona could have turned it around, but they missed some free throws. Matherin got a charge, and then they hit the big three, and that pushed it out to, I think, nine or ten. And it was over from there. When you look around college basketball right now, is there a is there a tier for Corey Williams? Is there a pecking order, a top five, a top six, uh, anything like that where you look at and say, sure, maybe some other teams could win it, but these are the four that I'm looking at or whatever the case may be? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Everybody got beat last weekend by right. somebody. Everybody got beat by a bubble team damn near, except right. for Baylor, Kansas, I think. And then there were a couple of teams that got beat by ranked opponents. St. Mary's was ranked. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about this imaginary gap between right. 1 and 23. Yeah, there's a gap in the numbers 1 and the number 23. <laughs> but you put the kids on the floor – I'm telling you, the talent swing is not that great. That's why the tournament is going to be outstanding this year. Right. There's the narrative that, oh, number two ranked such and such has a first round game against whatever conference champion that got the automatic bid. You might want to watch that game because those guys, fifth year seniors, portal transfers, taking on a big name blue blood school, they're going to have that same chip on their shoulder Colorado had. It's going to be a great tournament. I think the one thing that a team need not needs to have, but it really helps to have, if you go into Arizona, I think you need to be able to have bigs. Because I think one of the things that Arizona has an advantage in, obviously, is when you go across the board at 7-1-6-9-6-9 across – Arizona can play volleyball at the rim at the time. Arizona has an ability to, I think that's where their margin for error stems. So the teams that I look at that have given Arizona maybe some issues this year, whether that's in Oregon where, sure, Coloco was great, but in Folly Dante is going for 14 and 14, or a USC, obviously, with a Mobley. It's teams like that that I think are at least better equipped. I think it's very difficult to beat Arizona if you're going with a smaller lineup across the board. I would have believed that had I not seen what we just saw in Colorado. <laughs> Fair Colorado enough. Colorado destroyed Arizona in the paint. You know, right. points in the paint, I think it was a 20-point differential, maybe even more. Right. And it wasn't the bigs posting up. 
it right. was when Arizona would switch, you had guys like De Silva and Walker posting up the smaller guards because they realized, okay, you guys are going to switch everything. Um, and in terms of Arizona's size, I think Arizona definitely did great on the boards, but Coloco had a few blocks. Mm-hmm. Matherin had a dunk, and I want to say that was the only dunk of the game. Yeah, there. it was the only dunk. And this is a team that dunks everything. Coloco gets two or three. Matherin gets some. You know, Tabellis gets one here or there. Terry gets one. They they usually attack the rim and dominate you in the paint, and that's been their MO, and I think they need to get back to that. But what Colorado was able to do was we're going to switch, and then we're going to fight like heck, and we're going to foul. And it right. worked. I don't know if that's the formula because over a 40-minute game, you're right. Arizona is going to dominate the paint. Um, what they got to do is take a hard, long look in the mirror and just admit they got outworked a little bit. Right. How would you attack uh, Corey Williams? How would he attack Arizona? I would do the same thing. I would put Coloco in ball screens, bring him out away from the rim so he can't be a shot blocker. I would do the same thing with Balo. I would try to put as much defensive pressure on Kirk Creasa as I could because he's not a true point guard. If I had him in the one-on-one, I'd isolate him and try to get by him and try to create some opportunities with my point guard. Um, Arizona is a team that does not have a lot of weaknesses. You have to try to use their size against them and pray that you get a good look out of that because man for man, players one through seven, Arizona's got better players than you up and down the roster. So you're not really going to have a guy dominate Arizona. So um, space them out and try to drive them. Okay, Corey, we got about five, six minutes left. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your recruiting era. This is obviously Coach K's final year or final week in regular season college basketball. You were recruited a little bit by Coach K. Tell me about just kind of the recruiting process and how excited you were when, oh my gosh, I'm getting letters from Duke. You know, I was really excited. Duke was a school that I was, I was a big UNLV fan. I was a Michigan Fab Five fan, even though I had already committed to Arizona. I watched them play. You like teams with a little sizzle to them. A lot of little sizzle. I love Stacey Augman, Larry Johnson. Those were my guys at UNLV. Um, I grew up watching Big East basketball, Georgetown, Syracuse, mm-hmm. you know, Ronnie Cycli, Billy Owens, Sherman Douglas, all those guys. Those were, I love Big East basketball. Big Ten basketball was familiar with the flying Illini, Lute Olsen when he was mm-hmm. at Iowa. And so to get letters from Duke, it was kind of like, wow, here's another flagship program that, you know, gives you that stamp of approval, says you're worthy. So they want you on their team. It was a huge uh, ego boost and it kind of a validation. Now, um, Regardless of how I felt about Duke on the court, which was so strange, you couldn't deny the academic side of Duke University. By this time, 1991, Coach K had already cemented a strong legacy at Duke. They were a top program in the country. They were a household name. He had sent players to the NBA. He was going to continue to send players to the NBA. Duke was a top-tier program. Um, I was looking for the great balance of academics and sports. My parents were you know, looking for that too. I was a National Honor Society member, so I had good grades. Getting into school wasn't an issue for me. Right. Um, but going to Duke and staying in the Midwest and the East Coast versus coming out to Arizona and the palm trees and the mountains and Pac-10 and Lute Olson, Steve Kerr, Sean Elliott, it was just, it was tough, but I joke about it to this day because I was all set to go to Duke. That was my number one school, and they, was, they stopped recruiting me <coughs> for Jerry Stackhouse. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> when that happened, Arizona was my number two school. 
I came on my visit and it was over. You know, I came out here and had a great time and I never looked back. Okay. So let's talk about a little bit during your time here. And you were able to play when people talk about the great players in U of A history, the one name that very rarely gets brought up and I don't quite understand why, and you played with him. And then I'm going to talk about another guy you played with. Why isn't Chris Boyle's name brought up more, Corey? Whose name? Chris Mills. You know, <clears throat> I think because he was a transfer. But he played three years. He played three years. And I think, you know, he was the extension from the Sean Elliott era. When you talk about small forwards, he was the next great small forward. Chris's game was not flashy. Right. He didn't take a ton of dribbles. He didn't, you know, dunk a lot and play above the rim. But you look up, he's got 25 and 12 against UCLA. You right. know, it's like he was just a blue collar player, extremely talented, extremely smooth. I remember as a freshman getting beat up by Chris in practice and just like, man, I hope one day I get that strong. Man, right. I hope one day basketball is that easy for me. Like, you know, when I he had, you know, many years ahead of me. But Chris Mills, I think because his game wasn't so flashy, um, <clears throat> a lot of people don't realize that he was the backbone of that program for two or three years. Right, right. Another guy, too, that it's a little bit different because he only played here a year and a half. But Ben Davis is always one of those guys, too, that I think gets shortchanged a little bit when you talk about some of the better bigs in school history. Because mm -hmm. you got to remember, I know Sharif Abdurrahim won the uh, Pac-12 Player of the Year, your guys' senior year. But Ben was right there. And again, I get that it's a year and a half. But Ben doesn't get a lot of love either when people are talking about <laughs> some of the better bigs in school history. No, and that's a shame because Ben gave us instant, and I mean instant. Mm -hmm. From the from the second he stepped on campus, we were now a national contender. I mean, right. that's how what kind of an impact player he was. I remember not really knowing much about him and saying, "We got this transfer, Ben Davis coming in." I'm like, "Okay, whatever." So we start playing pickup at the rec, and I was like, "Yeah, we're going to win a national title with this guy. He's right. unbelievable. He can right. score. He rebounds everything. It took so much pressure off us defensively. He was the toughest guy on the, the team. He, he talked trash. He set screens. Like we went from okay to being in the national conversation because of Ben. Um, ben mentally and physically dominated and intimidated all the bigs we went up against. I mean, what was it like going into? That 95-96 season, because you played on a Final Four team, you played on a team with Damon coming back the following year that some people had preseason number one. 95-96, you guys go into the season unranked. And what was now, you've got a lot of seniors, a lot of guys that could play, including yourself, Joe McClain, Reggie, down the board. Miles is an underclassman. What was Lute's message to you guys going into that season? And did you have any idea that you would be ranked in the top five within like two and a half weeks? I think, you know, going into that season, we had some young guys that needed to learn how to play Arizona basketball, but they were super talented. I'm talking mm -hmm. about guys like Mike Dickerson, Miles Simon. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Lute's message was kind of like, hey, you seniors, you know what this is. You've been there. You've earned these spots. We have experience. We have depth. We have youth. We have shooting. We have defense. Like, it was our year to put everything together. The fact that the media hadn't really celebrated us much we took offense to that because, you know, Joe Reggie and Joe Blair and myself, we came in right. in 92 as one of the top recruiting classes in the country. Luke right. landed five, you know, great players at every position. So we had seen a little bit of our national shine dip in our senior year. We're like, yo, we need to remind people we were the top freshmen who came out in 92. And now it's our turn to shine and it's our program. So we had 
a, a severe chip on our shoulder. You know, did you now some of the underclassmen you mentioned on JT was a freshman now on that team as well. Did you have any idea how good some of those underclassmen would become when you guys were beating up on them in practice? Yeah, we did. And we, we knew they would be good, not because we beat up on them, but because they never backed down. We beat them right. up on Monday. They show up on Tuesday. We beat right. up on them Tuesday. They show up on Wednesday. So even though you're not going to beat us out and take our minutes during the game, mm -hmm. you're playing against a starter on a Pac-12 championship team every day. So we already knew you guys the same way we benefited from it, you guys were benefiting from it, and they ended up cutting down the nets the following year. Right. Because they had a team that um, had a certain level of confidence and experience, and they give us a lot of credit, but, you know, we we were partially responsible, I'd say a little bit. But, uh, yeah, we, we weren't surprised that they were that strong. Now, I would assume you were obviously uh, – that was your senior year, but when Mike Bibby came to campus on his recruiting visit, did you – when I assume you guys played some pickup ball or something, did you know what that guy was about to become? Obviously, he had the hype. I joke with him about this all the time. Miles hosted him on his visit, and he brought him to the wreck, and we played pickup, and he made a couple of shots, and right. we, I wasn't really paying attention to him, and I was like, "That's the number one point guard in the country." Like, eh, right? And he look, he, he didn't dazzle me any. But what I look back now and realize that his game was so smooth; it wasn't flashy. He was a high school senior getting buckets in a pickup game with some of the best players in the country. Right. Well, in that regard, he was sensational. And then to see what he went ahead and did at Arizona, obviously that that's all history. You know what I think it was too? He came in an era too where, and I watched him against Sal Point that year when he came to play and I was kind of the same way, but he came in an era where you had your Marbury's, your Iversons, your <clears throat> Baron Davis, these guys who were kind of changing the athleticism quotient. So when I showed up there, I'm expecting to see this guy hitting his head on the backboard on dunks, yeah. all this. Like you said, Corey, there was, there was none of that to his game. He was just able to control it the way that he wanted to. Control the game, make buckets, have a nice outside shot. And, you know, Coach Olsen used him in a, rate, in a great way, and they were able to get a national title. Corey, I can't thank you enough for popping on. I'll let you get back to your real job. But, again, really, really appreciate you, my man. No problem. Take care. All right. Thanks again. Corey Williams. All right. Now, that's the great thing about being on here. First thing I do want to tell you all, though, about is the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Here's the deal. Throw down $1 on an NBA game, and if that team wins, you get $150 in free plays. That simple. That easy. All right. Now, I was saying before, bet against the Detroit Pistons. They're winning games now, so I guess bet for the Detroit Pistons. Arizona only, 21 and up. Eligibility restrictions do apply. You got a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. They will get you all taken care of. Again, DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. All right, let's get to some questions right here. Sorry I couldn't get to them while Corey was on, but uh, bear down bias. Do you think uh, someone other than the six to eight teams at the top can win six to seven games in the NCAA tournament? Corey's the expert. I'm not the expert, obviously, but I, I, I think there's a, I think there's a group of about six or seven. Now, again, I think uh, Corey disagrees with me a little bit. He knows certainly more than I do, but the teams that I at least look at. I think there's Arizona, there's Gonzaga, there's, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, but there's Auburn. Um, I can't count out Baylor, even though they lost their best big. Um, obviously, Kansas is going to be in the discussion. Kentucky is in there as well. And, uh, you know, those are those are some of the teams that I look at, and I think to myself, those are going to be difficult to mess with. Duke, obviously. 
So uh, to me, there's about six or seven. But again, like Corey said, you had seven different teams that you had seven different teams right there that um, lost this week in the top 10. So who knows really where that could, one could play out. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's get one to back to bear down by and We'll get to Scott in just a second. I think it's because the Chris Mills teams went two and three in the tournament. Very true. You could certainly make that case. I just, you know, when you look at the numbers, when you look at the accolades, I think it's difficult to say that Chris Mills isn't the second best small forward in school history. Now, he's certainly not Sean Elliott, but I don't know that, you know, there's anybody that's been better at him. Michael Dickerson's probably in there, but, you know, Chris Mills was kind of that guy, as was Ben Davis. All right, let's get back to the game here, and then we've got a little bit of a preview for tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, um, Scott Schlittenhardt just said it was the fact the shots were not falling and they got outworked. It was the perfect storm for Colorado. I think Arizona can learn a lot from this game, to be honest with you. I think Arizona can come away saying, you know, we're good. We're really good. But we're not the type of team that we're not infallible. If we play and we don't play good, well in Colorado or a team like that brings its A game, Oh, by the way, they beat us. And I think that was something that you really want to see how that transpires going forward for Arizona basketball, because this was a wake up call. You got USC coming in tomorrow. We've got the post game show coming up. You got to win that game. Now, again, USC is a top 15 team, but people, again, the sky is not falling. Arizona is still a one seed. Do not worry. Arizona still got some margin for error. Everybody's losing games. I think people do forget about that a little bit as far as what's going on. Okay, real quick. Kylan Boswell, five-star point guard, is going to be committing here shortly. We're going to have a lot to talk about, about with him tomorrow. Also, wanted to look ahead real quick. Spring football, almost here already. We're going to be going, uh, going to be meeting with some of the guys uh, tomorrow and uh, just little bit of a preview, what you're looking for. Obviously, an entirely new roster almost. What's going on at the quarterback position between Delora, between Noah Fafita, an entirely revamped receiving core? How do all those guys look? We'll have some on that. We'll be able to kind of pick the brain maybe a little bit of some of the coaches earlier or, excuse me, later on in the week. And then defensively, there's some different playmakers coming in there as well. New defensive coordinator. What can we really expect there? There's a lot that we there's a lot that we're going to be able to get to on that one. I want to remind you though, DraftKings Sportsbook app. One last time, code word PHNX. Throw down one dollar on an NBA game, that team wins 150 bucks in free plays. That simple, easy. And again, I said bet against the Pistons, but you know what? At this stage in the game, maybe bet for the Pistons. Bet against the Lakers. They suck. And those are the type of picks that I would go with. Again, Arizona only eligibility restrictions apply. 1-800-NEXT-STEP if you got a gambling issue. All right, Mike Zuniga says, if Boswell commits, does that impact K.J. Lewis? No, not in the least. K.J. Lewis is a 2023 kid who wing can do a little bit of everything. Very athletic kid out of El Paso. He and Boswell are different positions. If anything, it's going to help Arizona. Now, the one thing that is great about Boswell is that he's got the capability of reclassifying and playing here next year. And if that's the case, you throw him alongside of Kirk Carissa, who I think is a little bit better off the ball at times. I think you're really cooking with something right there. Again, we've got, we're got a bunch of stuff to get you tomorrow. We're going to be on here with the post game. It's going to be late, so make sure that you set your alarms about 11.10 or so. Uh, got Going to have some football to talk about tomorrow as well. And Kylan Boswell commitment watch coming up here this afternoon. But again, 
Check out GoPHNX. Get the subscription. You get a bunch of free merchandise with it. And you know what? You get access to all the articles, all the behind-the-scenes stuff from all the best program teams in the state, the best coverage. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. We will be back with you very late tomorrow. Thanks again for Corey Williams. I'm Mike Luke. Thank you.